has reached epidemic proportions in America. I'm Dr. Paul Christo. This is Aches and Gains. Dr. Paul Christo is one of America's leading experts on relieving pain. He's board-certified, Harvard-trained, and a pain medicine specialist at Johns Hopkins. U.S. News & World Report ranks him as a top doctor and among the top 1% in the nation for pain management. Becker's Review selected him as one of the 70 best pain management physicians in America. He's listed as a super doctor for the Washington, D.C., Baltimore, Northern Virginia area. Aches and Gains is a weekly talk show covering all aspects of pain and pain relief. The human impact is real. Older adults, children, and even infants struggle to cope with pain. But there's hope, and there are treatments that can ease pain and suffering. The show offers compelling stories about people who've found relief. We share cutting-edge treatments from contributing experts, and we offer ways to help people cope with their pain. Welcome to the show. When we experience low back pain, we often attribute it to lifting, pushing, or pulling something we shouldn't. There can be many causes of low back pain that range from disc herniation or disc degeneration to muscular and ligament strain. It's not surprising, then, that low back pain ranks as one of the top three most common pain conditions. What is surprising, and rather scary, though, is that low back pain, or pain in general, can be one of the first symptoms of cancer. Brittany Daniel, TV and film actress, known for her role on The Game, experienced just that. Her first symptom of non-Hodgkin's lymphoma was worsening low back pain. Non-Hodgkin's lymphoma is cancer that develops in the cells of the lymph system, like the lymph nodes, bone marrow, or spleen. The lymph system is a vital part of the immune system and helps rid the body of toxins. Brittany continues to share how she overcame the pain from the lymphoma, cancer treatments, and surgery. It was a long process, but she's cancer-free today. Dr. Nina Wagner, oncologist and lymphoma expert from the Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine, then joins us once again. She'll take us through how pain can present in non-Hodgkin's lymphoma and give us an overview of the risks, symptoms to be aware of, and current treatments. Aches and Gains is supported by Teva Pharmaceuticals, the pain community, and Boston Scientific. For live online listening to Aches and Gains, please go to paulchristomd.com. To access podcasts of the show, please go to paulchristomd.com. Brittany Daniel starred opposite her twin sister on the 1994 teen drama, Sweet Valley High. For several years, she was a star of the comedy drama series, The Game. Let's welcome her back to the show. Brittany, welcome back to Aches and Gains. Thank you for having me. Last time, we talked about your diagnosis of large B-cell non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, how it initially presented with severe low back pain, and that the low back pain resolved pretty quickly after starting chemotherapy. You were using two opioids during chemotherapy. Uh, I think one of them was the transdermal fentanyl patch, and the other was oxycodone. It sounds like, really, those two opioids got you through the pain and discomfort of chemotherapy. Yes, I would say that's what helped me get through. I would try to do nice things for myself, like go on walks and do yoga and meditate, things like that, I think also just helped. Even mm-hmm. in the hospital when I would stay there, I would get up even in the middle of the night and go on walks. I was just determined to stay active. People come to me like, I can't believe you went through stage four cancer like, and you don't even look like it. And like, this is so crazy. Like, Why do you think you got through it? And I'm like, I definitely think the medicine helped me. Mm-hmm. But I also think I was in good shape before I got it. And then I was staying active while I was going through it. Oh, good for you. A good number of patients who have chemotherapy feel nauseated, vomit, and lose weight. Mm -hmm. There's a medication 
that's a cannabinoid called Marinol that helps with that. Did you use it? You know, I didn't use it for a while, even though they gave me a prescription for it. I remember taking it towards the end. I could not eat anything. Mm-hmm. It just got really dangerous for me because I was so sick and I couldn't keep anything down as well. Yeah. And so I did eventually um, do some and I thought that did help me eat. Good, good. Yes, it can be very helpful in terms of weight gain and combating that nausea and vomiting associated with chemotherapy. How about uh, some of the integrative therapies, like acupuncture, for example? I found it really helpful. I, I mainly did the acupuncture in Chinese medicine after they told me that I was cancer-free because they didn't want me to do anything that would um, interact with the medication that I was on. Mm-hmm. I wish I had done more, because I think I could have done just acupuncture during my um, cancer treatment. But at yeah. the end, I feel like it saved me because I was really sick for months after I finished the chemo. Like, so much I was in the hospital was so bad. Hmm. Well, when you say sick, what was going on? Like, I couldn't eat. I don't know what was happening with me, but my I could not keep any food down, mm-hmm. so I had to get on a feeding tube, and it was pretty rough for me. That's terrible. Mm-hmm. When did you start feeling the onset of the benefits of acupuncture and uh, Chinese herbs? Literally the day he started me on these herbal teas, um, and that gave me acupuncture, I felt like I, would come, I came back to life. Wow. And it helped me so much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so if, I would definitely recommend people going through any kind of pain or going even through you know, chemotherapy to at least do the um, acupuncture. Yeah, that sounds good. Brittany, I've had patients tell me that when they're diagnosed with cancer, they become closer to God or they start praying more often than they had before. Was it that way for you? Yes. I felt so much more connected to God than I've ever felt. Mm-hmm. I say that it's literally the hardest thing I've ever been through in my life, but in some ways it was a really good addition to my life. And I mean, when you're going through something like that, you're going to have some serious conversations with God. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. So, you know, I started meditating. I mean, I've always been a spiritual person, yeah. but I think it got me more into yoga, more into meditating, and definitely a closer relationship with God. You know, some people uh, undergo a spiritual or religious awakening after a diagnosis of cancer. Did you? It probably was some sort of awakening because, you know, I lost my hair. I, I went through the whole process, like lost 30 pounds, lost my hair, literally felt like I lost everything. Yeah. Other than like my family and friends, I, I couldn't work. Like everything was kind of taken from me. Mm-hmm. I think it really strips you down to just like your core and your essence. And it makes you go, okay, what do I believe in? Like, what is this all about? Right. And so I felt very close to God and I would talk to him all the time because that is who I needed to connect with to understand all of this or why it was happening. I don't ever remember thinking like, why me or anything like that. It was just more of my conversations were just give me this lesson because I know I'm not supposed to learn something from this. So right. I was like, okay, this is what I need to be going through right now. But can you just give me the lesson really quickly so I can just <laughs> understand this? So this, I just need that. If right. you just give me that, I can deal with the pain. Just give me the answer. Right. So, give yeah. me the answer and make it fast. Brittany, often when a cancer patient or cancer survivor has worsening pain or pain that's new, the possibility of recurrence exists. Do you ever think about that when you develop back pain today? Yes. Not so much now. I, I can't even say that. I bet you if I started getting the exact same pain in my low back, I'd be like, uh, call my <laughs> oncologist right away. <laughs> right. But yeah, I definitely, you know, probably within the year after um, they told me I was cancer-free, I, if any kind of low back pain, I was like, uh-oh, what is that? What is that? Mm-hmm. Um, 
now that I'm four and a half years out, I feel way more confident that I'm going to be okay. That's fantastic. And now that you're four and a half years out, mm-hmm. have you experienced anything that you didn't expect? I think it's like this race to the finish line and you're so focused on that that you don't really get to deal with all your emotions. And then afterwards, you're like, oh, wow. Okay. I, this really was a big thing in my life. So yeah. mm-hmm. I definitely experienced some depression after. It was funny. I mean, they're like telling me, they're like, oh my God, you're cancer free. I'm like, why do I feel so sad right now? <laughs> I think that had to do with like the oxycodone and the chemotherapy, all this meds still like kind of detox out of my body. Mm-hmm. So I had, that's why the acupuncture and Chinese medicine really helped me. And once I did that for, I think about six months, okay. I got back on track in terms of emotionally feeling better. Well, it took a while, but it sounds like you did bounce back. And I'm glad you mentioned the Chinese therapy and the acupuncture, because I think that's probably an underutilized treatment for balancing the body and restoring harmony. Brittany, are you afraid that the lymphoma will recur? I've had a scan before, maybe maybe a year ago, where they had like some question about it, and then I needed to do another scan just to confirm that I was okay. In that moment, that was scary for me. Yeah. When I hear people that have gone through cancer twice, I think, how do they do that? Mm-hmm. It's so <laughs> massive. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. When I go in for my scans, I never think it's going to come back positive. I, I feel very confident that it's gone. I've seen psychics and mediums about it, mm-hmm. and they're confirming that for me. Mm-hmm. So. You know, that power of positive thinking, the belief that things will get better, and the visualization can all be extremely powerful. One of the things I, I feel got me through my pain and my cancer was positive thinking. Mm-hmm. I don't think for one second my family thought, oh, I'm going to die from this, even though it was really stacked against yeah, me. Yeah. I think we were very much like, okay, what do we need to do? Just staying in a positive state of mind, watching comedies and laughing. And I had a vision board, which had pictures of like places that I wanted to go and like a beautiful beach. And I was like, okay, when I get better, I'm going to move by the water. And now mm-hmm. I live by the water. It's like having things that I wanted to live for. Mm-hmm. Now, I read that your dad died of cancer in 2008. Was that from non-Hodgkin's lymphoma? No, he had lung cancer. And I just saw a man that would literally be knocked down and get back up and continue on with work and life and rebuilding his life every single time after he got sick. So mm-hmm. he's the type of person that believes anything was possible. And I think that he really instilled that in my sister and my brother. And I, and I when they told me I had cancer, or pretty sure I had cancer in the doctor's office, I was like, what do we need to do? I just remember having that kind of spirit about me. Yeah. So I think that played a big part in my recovery. No doubt. I mean, it sounds like he instilled in you uh, a resilience and a will to live. Brittany, what are some of the ways that caregivers and friends and family members can be supportive? Oh, my gosh. Okay. <laughs> One of my girlfriends wrote this like poem slash letter to me, mm-hmm. and it was so heartfelt and so loving. And at the end, she made, I'm not going to tell you the joke because it's inappropriate, but something really funny at the end of the poem. <laughs> That was just, like, so wrong. Like, you would think, okay, when someone's sick, you've got to be really careful with their feelings. Right. But it was, she was just so raw and authentic with me and made me laugh so hard. And I just thought, okay, that's you have to be, you have to be real with people. You can't walk around on eggshells and be so nervous around them, but just, mm-hmm. like, stay your normal self. Yeah. And make them laugh and, of course, be sensitive to their needs. And then also ask, really check in while they're going through chemotherapy and then after, even when you're in remission, like I still was recovering emotionally from it. And so I think that is something that I would encourage people to do is just like really check in with people that they love that are going through it and 
see if they want to talk about anything or their fears or what they're still might be struggling with. Absolutely. And, you know, the great news is that you're cancer-free and living life to the fullest. In fact, uh, you told me earlier that you and your sister have started a new Instagram page called The Twin Travelers, and you're doing a lot of travel throughout the world. Before we close, is there hope for those with ongoing pain from cancer or non-cancerous conditions? One of the things for me was just being patient and knowing that, especially when you're rebuilding yourself. I, you know, after I went through chemo, I did not even look like myself. And it was, I literally had to rebuild my whole body and my spirit and everything and know that it's possible. Yeah. That it just might take some time. But um, if you can just be patient with yourself and Mm -hmm. ask for help and just be kind because you can come back from it. Right. But I also want people to understand that I know it's not easy, that it it is painful and uh, it takes time. And I also say, seek out alternative treatments because there are things out there that can at least relieve some of the pain. That's very, very true. And I'm so glad that you're doing so well. Brittany, it was a pleasure having you on the show today. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It was really nice talking with you. Don't go away because Dr. Nina Wagner, oncologist and lymphoma expert from the Johns Hopkins Hospital, is up next. I'm Dr. Paul Christo, and you're listening to Aches and Gains. Aches and Gains is supported by Teva, the leading global pharmaceutical company committed to increasing access to high-quality health care by developing, producing, and marketing affordable generic medicines, as well as innovative and specialty pharmaceuticals. The Pain Community, a web-based nonprofit created by people living with pain. Check out paincommunity.org. For information, references, advocacy tools, and a premium section to securely interact with other members in forums and chat rooms. Boston Scientific, a leader in microelectric implantable technologies used to treat chronic neuropathic pain. To access podcasts of the show, please go to paulchristomd.com. That's paulchristomd.com. Dr. Nina Wagner is an associate professor in the Department of Oncology, Division of Hematologic Malignancies at the Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine. She's a lymphoma expert and has written extensively on non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. Dr. Wagner, welcome back to Aches and Gains. Thank you. Last time, we talked about the definition of non-Hodgkin's lymphoma and that it includes about 50 different types of cancer. We talked about what affects our risk of developing non-Hodgkin's lymphoma and then when patients are more likely to experience pain. Among the list of cancers that can cause pain, and there are many, how painful is non-Hodgkin's lymphoma? It's not one of the classic ones that you that comes to mind as opposed to pancreatic cancer, sort of one of these classic cancers that is associated with severe pain. Mm-hmm. If you're presenting with lymph nodes in a spot that's not causing, you know, compression and, you know, not compromising the organs, then, then yes, I definitely see many people with lymphoma who don't have any pain. But, but on the flip side, you definitely see many people who do. Well, the good news, though, is that it seems like with some of these aggressive tumors, these aggressive non-Hodgkin lymphoma cancers, that chemotherapy or radiation, once initiated, can reduce the pain pretty quickly. Yes, definitely. Certainly in the, you know, in the new diagnosis setting. So when a person first presents with with acute pain, Mm -hmm. um, usually those are patients that have more aggressive cancers. And so when that occurs, when we initiate therapy, oftentimes you see a very rapid response. Even within a few days, you can see an improvement in the the pain. Mm -hmm. Now, on the other hand, 
chronic pain, it seems like often doesn't result from non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. I mean, in my own practice, I rarely see patients with chronic pain due to non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. Not typically. I mean, there are some situations, and these are, again, quite rare, uh, that are called paraneoplastic syndrome. So these would be sort of described as a syndrome that develops because of the cancer diagnosis. Mm-hmm. There have been some neurologic syndromes that may lead to pain associated with the cancer. Okay. Now, speaking of syndromes, I mean, cancer pain can result from many sources. Tumor invasion into nerves or tissues spread to other parts of the body, like the bone. Compression of certain structures, like the organs. And it seems like non-Hodgkin's lymphoma can cause all of these things. Yes, it certainly can. It's, it's a disease that can present in, in many different ways. So I would agree with that. Nina, the tests used to stage non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, like uh, bone marrow biopsy or spinal taps, can definitely hurt. In fact, Brittany Daniel mentioned that her bone marrow biopsy was really painful. What do patients tell you? The staging procedures that are performed, including bone marrow biopsies and lumbar punctures or spinal taps, those are frequently painful. Right, exactly. Now, how about lymph node biopsies? There is some. There is definitely discomfort. It kind of depends, again, on, on the type of procedure that's obtained. So we can do any number of lymph node biopsies from a very fine needle biopsy to a larger needle biopsy, Mm -hmm. all the way to undergoing surgery to remove that lymph node. So the level of pain is often associated with sort of how invasive the procedure is. Okay. Now, speaking of associations, do you see patients with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma develop uh, herpes zoster known as shingles because of their immunocompromised state? Yes, so we unfortunately frequently see that, and it's both because of where the disease is, lymphomas or cancers of lymph nodes, which is the immune system. So individuals with lymphoma are at risk for zoster infections, and then similarly, once we start chemotherapy, we further suppress their immune system, and then they are even at a greater risk for some of these rare viruses. When we do start chemotherapy, when the white count drops as a result of the chemotherapy, then we will frequently see bacterial infections occur as well. Mm -hmm. How about chemotherapy-induced peripheral neuropathy? How often do you see that? We frequently use the microtubulin inhibitors, so drugs like vincristine and vinblastine. And vincristine will commonly cause neuropathy. So mm-hmm. unfortunately, I do see chemotherapy-induced neuropathy in, in many of my patients. And how have you found the treatments for that neuropathic pain? Most of the medications that we have available for treatment of neuropathy have not been proven to be effective. And most of those studies have been done in the other classes of medications, not in these um, microtubulin inhibitors. Mm-hmm. That's my experience as well. I've used drugs like Lyrica and Neurontin and some of the antidepressant medications with some relief, but in general, it just does not provide effective pain relief. Interestingly, though, there's a device called Calmare therapy, which is an electrocutaneous device, which has shown some benefit in treating chemotherapy-induced peripheral neuropathy, and we've done a show on that. Dr. Wagner, what do you use in general then to treat pain associated with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma? I'd say at diagnosis for my patients who are experiencing severe pain, I do frequently use 
opioids uh, with the recognition that when I start chemotherapy, I can wean those off really pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, in settings of neuropathy, I do rely on the medications that, that you had mentioned. Uh, so some of the medications that we use to treat um, depression, so drugs such as Cymbalta, right. uh, Duloxetine, I, I've used those agents. Theories are actually a uh, integral component of our chemotherapy regimens and lymphomas, and I, I do see that the steroids are, are oftentimes quite effective at, at treating the pain as well. Nina, how about the integrative therapies, uh, things like acupuncture, music, uh, hypnosis, herbals? For example, music therapy has been shown to reduce pain in patients with cancer. You know, many of my patients seek those out on their own, and mm-hmm. I'm all I'm you know very supportive of that. And anecdotally, I would say that that those are effective for certain individuals. So you're right. What about pain psychology, or specifically cognitive behavioral therapy for pain associated with cancer? What's your experience with that? We certainly do um, refer many of our patients on to psychologists, and I, I have found that to be a quite useful adjunct. Now, how about a somewhat of a controversial subject, medical marijuana? Have you seen any beneficial effects of medical marijuana in your patient population? I, I agree it is controversial. Um, I guess in, in my patients who are undergoing chemotherapy, I typically advise against smoking marijuana simply because of concerns of increased risk of infection, specifically fungal pneumonias. Mm-hmm. However, I, you know, have had many patients who do report, you know, benefit from, from using marijuana. In my experience, it's more for the nausea associated with the chemotherapy as opposed to uh, providing pain relief, although I am aware that there is some data that there's benefit in that regard. There is data that it's beneficial for neuropathic pain conditions and for multiple sclerosis, actually. Nina, among the patients that you've seen who admit to using medical marijuana for pain, I mean, how effective has it been and, and for which conditions? Yes, I think many scenarios where that's actually come up. So patients who uh, present with pain, um, patients who are undergoing chemotherapy and, you know, just overall not not doing well with the chemotherapy. So having nausea, vomiting, having abdominal pain, mm-hmm. those sorts of those sorts of symptoms. And then uh, similarly, those who have the neuropathic pain following treatment for the lymphoma. I've had individuals uh, state that they've had pain relief with, with marijuana. Okay. Now, Nina, when a cancer patient or a cancer survivor has worsening pain or pain that's new, it can indicate recurrence. Is that often true for non-Hodgkin's lymphoma as well? Yes, very frequent, actually. Many times it's the patient who can inform us that the disease has recurred based on symptoms that they're experiencing. Painful symptoms? Uh, Frequently pain symptoms, but uh, sometimes it's just, you know, feeling a lymph node that may not necessarily be severe pain, but tenderness in a lymph node. Okay. Do you see new treatments on the horizon for non-Hodgkin's lymphoma? Absolutely. We've seen numerous in the past few years, and I would say that many are on the horizon that are likely to be approved in the next few years. Um, 
you know, there have been many agents that are targeted therapies where we're looking at different mutations within the lymphoma, different markers on the surface of the cells that mm-hmm. we can target, right. or actually targeting pathways that the cancer cells rely on and sort of uh, inhibiting those pathways that then lead to cancer cell death. Well, that's really exciting, and it sounds like there's a lot of hope for increased survival from non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. We've had numerous agents that have been approved in the last few years and many new ones on the horizon Mm -hmm. that are clearly prolonging survival. So I think there's a lot to be optimistic about. There absolutely is. Dr. Wagner, it was wonderful having you on the show today. Thank you for the time. And thank you for listening. I'm Dr. Paul Christo, and you're listening to Aches and Gains. The views and opinions expressed in this radio program are solely the views of Dr. Paul Christo and do not necessarily express the views of this radio station and Johns Hopkins University School of medicine, nor an endorsement by any or all of them of any of its content. This show provides medical information, not advice. Please consult your personal physician before engaging in any course of treatment or use of any of the techniques or products discussed on this show. Discussion of particular uses of products on this show have not been approved by any of the manufacturers of such products. To access podcasts of the show, please go to paulchristomd.com. That's paulchristomd.com. Aches and Gains is produced by Tom Blair and Ty Ford. Elsa Langford is the technical consultant and engineer. Dr. Paul Christo is the executive producer. Thanks for listening. This is Aches and Gains with Dr. Paul Christo.